Welcome everybody into another episode of the Damn Podcast with your host Marcus Greaves and Angie Machado. Angie is finally back with us after she decided to leave her Beaver Blitz squad and go for a sunny, nice vacation. While uh, I got to enjoy the rain and somewhat sunshine in uh, Portland. Angie, it's good to have you back. Hey, thanks. I missed you guys. But no, it was super fun. Um, husband's family is um, great. Grandfather came from Portugal. So we Whoa. got away and by a week and went to Portugal for a week. Lisbon is amazing. So um, any listeners out there, I strongly, strongly recommend heading to Lisbon. And I, I was super blown away by the history and just how inexpensive it was. I, I expected a European city to be super expensive, but super reasonable. So super fun. Um, we had a hurricane. Hurricane Leslie blew in on us one day. And other than that, that was beautiful. And I know I knew my squad, Marcus, Amy, Adam, the whole crew. I knew you guys had it had it nailed down. Yeah, so we uh, thanks had for a, covering. Uh, we had an all-star lineup last week on the pod. It was pretty good. I know, and now everybody's <laughs> going to be like disappointed. It's like, can't back. Dang it. Uh, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. I think for the most part, they – I mean, they probably enjoy listening to you more than they enjoy listening to me. I'm kind of like the rant guy, like the Skip Bayless, Stephen A., who people are probably like, all right, I'm kind of <laughs> over this guy. But uh, Angie, Beavers came off a of bye week, which is nice because they get at least some guys back, I would say. Maybe it sounds like – I don't know if you've heard anything about that, but uh, at least it gives the guys – kind of some time to get back and get healthy, take care of their bodies, and then they could, I mean, I guess they have two weeks to, or they had two weeks, I should say, to really just prepare for Cal, who is a team that they could, I wouldn't say easily beat, but they should beat. When it came down to it, if I'm saying, not talent-wise, but just how both teams have been playing lately, like Oregon State's been playing good, it's just the fourth quarter in the defense, as we know, but... It looks like for Cal, it's there's not really much going. <laughs> as bad as that sounds, yeah. I know people could say the same about Oregon State, but it just seems like Cal, they haven't really made improvements from week to week. Yeah, and I, I think this is going to be a, a fun test to see just how Coach Smith does with a bye week. You know, uh, when Coach Riley was, was the coach, the Beavers actually sometimes played their best ball right after the bye week. When Coach Riley had an extra an extra week to prepare for the opponent, they they could you know pull off like a USC victory and, and some of these some of their good performances. So it'll be fun to see how this team comes out. How um, you know are they going to be fired up? Is it is it the rest going to be good for them? They do get Jeremy Reichner back, so that is that should you know should be a good good sign for the defensive line, and um, you know. Like you said, just an extra week for for everyone. Because Marcus, you know more than anybody out there that just the wear and tear your body. You know, a Jamar Jefferson or you know AP quarterbacks, linebackers. They all every week, week in, week out, they're getting just hit hard. And so to have that extra week just to rest is is huge. Yeah, the extra week really it does a lot for you, just because not only like we say, can you rest, but not and physically, but mentally. You know, the Mental. the week that you don't have a game, you kind of just get a – not I wouldn't say relaxed because you always want to be prepared for your next opponent and always and so on and so forth. But just being able to kind of take, I would say, a couple steps back and realize that your life isn't nothing but football. And so it's refreshing. And then when you come back to next – or like this week when they came back, they're thinking, okay, now we can get back to it and um, right now it's time to go back to work. But – it's just it's super nice just to have a a week to you know relax, get your body back, study more film rather than put more wear and tear on your body. And like you said, a player like Jamar Jefferson or AP who, you know, AP's kind of had some weeks off because of the injury, but someone like Jamar Jefferson who's having a great season, 
this is good for him because a young guy, his body, you know, he has to be ready for, you know, to finish the second half of the season. And I can't, I kind of think that's what we should talk about next is, Angie, I just want to know what your expectations for the second half of the season is for this uh, Oregon State team. But just because, right, we see we see great flashes, especially on offense. Defense, it's kind of hit and miss. Some games that, you know, like against Washington State, I thought they didn't do uh, terrible, but it's the fourth quarter that's really been killing them, I would say. And it's just maybe it's the depth, maybe it's whatever it is. But I kind of just want to get your thoughts on this second half of this Oregon State team. You know, I, I just I just ran the by the numbers um, on Beaver Blitz and and looking at the stats and offensively, you're right. I mean, Oregon State ranks first in the conference in rushing, fourth in the conference in scoring, first in total offense. Um, I I, I want to see the offense just continue to click and kind of, but it's been fun. That Washington State game, we saw a really fun Oregon State offense. Defensively, I I don't know what the hope is there um, going forward, except that new you know the recruiting will have to help fill some gaps there. But um, I want to see the team keep fighting, and I, I say that week in and week out. But um, at this point, you know you have Cal on the schedule this weekend, which is a is a winnable game or at least you know a close one. Colorado on the road looks tougher than I expected. Yes. you know before the season started, on the road, and, and Colorado is a, a tougher place to play. And then you have that brutal, which I, I thought at the beginning of the year was going to be this brutal November with USC, Stanford, um, Washington, and uh, Oregon. And, yeah, those last couple weeks games with Washington and Oregon, the tough USC has kind of been hit and miss. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see with Stanford. I, Oregon State usually plays them tough. But I want to see this team uh, come out. I want to see them keep fighting, keep getting better on offense, and do what they can on defense to, uh, you know, at least – make it competitive right and I think they've done a great job of making it at least competitive at least from my point of view because last season Angie like we were saying if Oregon State gets down by two touchdowns early like they were against Washington State that's kind of ball game right there and you would kind of yeah exactly and I thought they did a great job of fighting back from adversity right they understood I mean they understood that they're down 14 nothing quick against Washington State I mean Washington State's a good team they shouldn't I mean they should be undefeated they shouldn't have lost to USC when they were up late, but I just want to see in the second half, I want to see the offense continue to do that and even get better if they can because, like you said, yeah. numbers-wise, they're pretty dang good. They're towards the top of the Pac-12, which I don't know if that's happened <laughs> in a while. But it defense, hasn't happened in a while, yeah. Defense, they have to find something. Maybe getting Jer- Jeremy Reichner back will add some depth. Obviously, it's not he's not going to come out and get eight sacks in a game and just turn the defense around completely because not one player can really do that right now on this roster. But they just I just want to continue to see him get better because I thought against Washington State they did better than they have previously. They looked like they had some fight and they, you know, there's times where they stopped him on third down or they stopped him on fourth down or they made him come out and get a three and out, which is nice, but still no sacks. Defensive line hasn't really improved as much as we would like. Maybe they have, but, you know, frankly, if you can't get any sacks, not many people are going to see it. Um, and I just want to see the linebacker group come alive again because at the beginning of the season, Angie, I was hyping them up a lot and I really thought that was probably the best position group on the defense, but they've been kind of quiet. You know, Key Wetzel's been been kind of quiet. quiet. Hemika Rashid's been playing pretty good, but even then if, you know, teams are dropping all these points on you and rushing for how many, however many yards they rush, it just doesn't really matter, right? What your numbers are. So someone has to step up. I want to see a leader kind of step up on defense. Uh, they have. I think the defensive backs have played great. Not. I mean, not great, but they played pretty darn good. 
like Jeffrey Manning Jr., Jalen Moore. I thought they played pretty well. Caleb Hayes coming in. I thought he played – I mean, he's been playing good. Deshaun Wilson stepped up against Washington State. So they have they have life is what we're saying. But And, and they're going to need that life. You know, that's that's – Another piece of this is that, you know, we're coming into December signing period and then February signing period. And and the other key part of this is just I want to see this team still stay together, right? When things when, when you're not winning, it's easy to go off rails and, and start questioning the coaching. Um, we haven't seen that yet, and we, and we can't see that, to be quite frank, um, because they're going to need these guys to be completely bought in and, and helping to build this team with recruits. Right, and Angie, that's a good thing, or it's a – that's a good point to make because, and like I always say, I think I said on the last pod too. I'm not a, I'm not a recruiting guy. I don't know really anything about that, but uh, there is a bright future if Oregon State can land one guy. Because I here at the station at 1080 the fan and 910 ESPN, uh, I got to do some play by play for some high school games, and I went and covered Sawyer Racanelli um, from Hawkinson High School in Washington, and Oregon State is the only team to offer him so far. And if Jonathan Smith can get him, that's like that's a, a kid that will turn around the program or be part of the turnaround because that kid is phenomenal. He has great size, really? okay, great good. speed, everything. I mean, and when I talked to him before the game and after the game, obviously it was off the record. I was just asking him, you know, how does he feel? And I was kind of telling him to, you know, keep working hard. Don't worry about getting all these offers. They'll come if you, you know, you work hard and all that. And he said he loved Oregon State and he loves everything about it. And, you know, it was it was just crazy to see and crazy to talk to him about it and see how these kids look at Oregon State now because I, I know for a fact when kids were getting recruited with Coach Anderson and the last staff, it was kind of like, well, I can at least go there and get playing time. Like that's kind of yeah. the only way you could sell it because the, the games weren't very fun. They were kind of all the same. The crowd was never really showing up because the team was losing. But, I mean, Sawyer is just like this whole atmosphere and the whole feel of Oregon State is completely different from what you know I thought it was going to be. He's and he was just saying he loved it, so it's pretty sweet to see that Coach Smith is really taking this program in the direction where recruits want to come here now and they want to be a part yeah. of, you know, not only a rebuilding but they can, you know I I can see this team if they you know maybe they win a, maybe they go to a bowl game next year who knows right but if you could sell the kids on those kind of ideas and get them to buy into an, an idea and a program like they have, then it's only going to be that much better. Yeah, and, and speaking of, of visitors, I, it might be a really good time to update our listeners on some official visitors coming this weekend for homecoming. Should be a good crowd, a 1 o'clock kick, uh, sunshine. I, I, you know, I hope Beaver Nation turns out because this could be a really fun game, not only from um, on the field standpoint and, and being back at, at Oregon State, but also because of the recruits in town. So, um as of today, and granted, guys, like I said, I yesterday I flew. I was on a plane all freaking day. Twenty three hours I was awake. So I'm if I'm a little not myself today, just you got to bear with me. <laughs> but um, we got some official visitors as of today. Um, Siali Liku, defensive tackle out of Oakland, will be on an official visit. This kid is six four, three hundred and thirty pounds. So um, big time kid, um, ranked the hundred eighteenth best prospect overall in California. We also are going to be seeing Dion Harry from Illinois, a strong side, strong side defensive end, 6'5", 245. Again, the, the staff is really looking to have some length on that defensive end side. Um, Raymond Vohasek, Vohasek is um, from Illinois, a, a JUCO DN that will be visiting officially. Achille Arnold, um, a cornerback, corner, see, uh, corner, 
uh, from Mission Viejo, California. And we'll have a couple commits that are already committed. Alex Austin, the cornerback from Long Beach Poly, will be making his official visit this weekend as well. So um, a really good crew. Those are the guys we have confirmed. Um, so those are the guys we know um, that have told us they are coming, and there'll be a few others, I've been told. Also, some unofficial, Luke Musgrave from Bend will be here. He's a commit. Kelson Hennessy, the D-tackle from Clackamas, will be visiting Oregon State unofficially. Um, John Miller, a 2020 inside linebacker from Tualatin, will be in town. Uh, Casey Filkins, um, 2020 athlete from Lake Oswego, will be there. So, um Lots of, uh, of players making the trip to Corvallis this weekend. Right, and so if Oregon State can manage to get a win against Cal, it would make it that much better, and hopefully the crowd shows up like you said. But, uh, Angie, let's uh, let's just talk about Cal real quick. And okay. what do you think? What do you think Oregon State needs to do in order to beat this team? You know, is it more of right? You're going to have to outscore them, obviously, but do you think it's more of the offense is going to have to have a big game? And because the defense can't step up or is it more of the offense kind of just has to play average and the defense just really needs to finally step up and really take control of the game? Well, you know, I, I really honestly think the defense, I mean, I want to see the defense. I want to see that swagger. I want to see some big time plays from defense, but um, from what we've seen the first six games of the season, it's going to come down to the offense. The offense needs to score points. But I know, Marcus, before we came on air, you talked about what the defense needs to do, and, and you see this as a big opportunity. What what do what does the defense need to do in your eyes to, to win this game? Right, and it's kind of the same thing that we were saying with Washington State, right? So what do you do? You know, Oregon State and, and Coach Tibazar have to find ways to get to the quarterback since the defensive line has been struggling so much. But I would say with – Cal, I can't even pronounce their quarterback's name, so I don't even want to butcher. I think it's Brandon McElwain. It's McElwain. McElwain. Brandon McElwain. He and when I broke down the Oregon film too, he's not he's not really great with his arm, and that's kind of the first thing that stuck out. I mean, stood out to me was because Cal runs a lot of they'll either run slants, they run a lot of man routes, right? Because they just try to get their guys open because they know their quarterback maybe doesn't have the best arm or the greatest accuracy. But what I think what Oregon State needs to do is stack the box, you send a lot of pressure either in the A or the B gap, which is right in the middle of the line because Cal's bread and butter offensive play that I've seen so far in these past couple games has been uh, a QB draw because they have a very strong offensive line. I think those guys are really physical. They're not going to, like I just wrote an article for you, Angie, they're not going to push you, you know, push a defensive line back three or four yards, but they're going to open a hole, right? They're not going to outpower you but they'll make sure to be in the right place at the right time for their quarterback because against I think it was against Arizona he had over 100 rushing yards and two touchdowns and so that play works extremely well for him Oregon State's been struggling to stop the run so I think what Oregon State and coach Tibazar need to do is stack the box like I said bring pressure in the A or B gap and really force they have to take away the QB draw because if the QB draw works then everything was going to open up. The passing game will open up more because you have to right, you have to kind of sell out to stop the play that's working. And so if they can stop the QB draw, they can man up on the outside and really pressure, or at least I would say press the wide receivers. Then from there, the timing's going to be off because he already struggles with timing with his receivers in general. So if you can at least disrupt him in the pocket, take away his ability to run and force him to throw, he's going to make mistakes because I think he threw two picks against Arizona and I in Arizona didn't do anything special besides, right? They brought pressure and they forced him to throw the ball into man pressure, and then from there, he like I said, the timing's just off. So if Oregon State can yeah. do that, they could really take advantage of 
a struggling Cal offense. Now, defense is a whole different story because I think Cal's defense is really good. So Oregon State's going to have to find a way to at least put points up on the board. I know Jamar Jefferson has kind of been the bread and butter, right? You just maybe run inside zone or outside zone, and he finds holes and makes big plays. But, you know, University of Oregon, as a as unfortunate as it is, their offense is, you know, one of the best in the Pac-12, if not the best, right? And I would say they kind of struggled a little bit against Cal because Cal is a really yeah. good defense. So Oregon State and Coach Lingrid and Coach uh, Smith are going to have to find ways to really open up the playbook much like they did against Washington State because Washington State's defense was pretty good as well. But they found ways to score and they found ways, maybe misdirections, counters, reverses, um, everything really, double passes. They find they found ways to put points up on the board, so they're going to have to do it again this week. See, this is why, this is why we love you, Marcus. <laughs> Bring the knowledge. Hey, I'm trying at least, but we'll you see. Drop it. <laughs> I'm trying to at least drop it. But uh, Angie, before we get to damn questions, another, I know we didn't talk about this on air, so I don't want to put, I mean off air, so I don't want to put you on blast, but do you kind of have any mid-season MVPs offensively and defensively? Um, Easy for, for offense. I have to go with Jamar Jefferson. Yeah. Seriously, that guy, I mean, I, I think that's an easy, easy hands down um, just amazing what we've seen. And I, I, I came into the season with high expectations, but I don't even know if my expectations for him, if, I mean, I, I think he surpassed every expectation I had for him. So, yeah, he really um, has. <laughs> and I had set the bar pretty high. You know, I'll never forget sitting down with Coach Petrie on, on our media day, and I asked him, you know, I said, you have high expectations for, for Jamar. And, you know, he, he didn't want to say he did, but you could tell he did. And uh, I, I came into the season thinking he was going to be – you know, pretty damn good, and he's exceeded those expectations. Uh, defensively, goodness, it's hard. <laughs> this is hard. Uh, I, you know, it, it's um, – I really don't have – I mean, I think I think Jalen Moore, I mean, he's, he's really kind of been the leader on, on the defense. And mm-hmm. I really – coming into the season, I think if you would have asked me this, who I expected to be the MVP midway, I would have said one of the linebackers. Right. Um, I just I, – I think – We've seen, like you said earlier, we've seen glimpses, but we haven't seen just the whole package yet. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm going to go with Jalen Moore for my defensive MVP. All right. Well, yeah, I have the same, the exact same offensively. Jamar, uh, Jamar Jefferson's had a great season so far. I think he's tied for third in rushing. That's only because he had a bye week. If not, he probably could have been first or second. Um, I think he – is he leading the Pac-12 in rushing? Yeah, he is. I believe so, yeah. Right. Yeah. And – yeah, he's he's been phenomenal offensively. We've already talked enough about him, though. But uh, defensively, Angie, it's a tough one. <laughs> it really I know. Is. Just because, like Jalen Moore, I think Jalen Moore's played really well. I think Jeffrey Manning's played really well too. Um, we haven't really seen a lot of linebackers play super good. I'm, you know, I've I'm good friends with Willis, and I'm going to say I'm pretty disappointed in Willis so far, just because. Last season, we've seen Willis get tackles, sacks. Like, he's an athletic linebacker. He has a body frame and everything, but he just hasn't been producing as much. Maybe it's scheme or whatever, but I think he's, you know, he just hasn't been performing like we expected. Defensive line, we we can't find anyone right now. I'm waiting. I want Key Wetzel uh, to st- uh, stand out as well. Yeah. yeah. He has Hamilka. Athletic, Hamilka. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But Hamica, I think Hamica, if anything, he's played the best out of the linebackers so far. He's been playing pretty good. It's just yeah, yeah. maybe teams have realized they can't run the ball to his side. But whatever it is, I'm going to have to go with Jalen Moore too just because he's kind of the 
kind of the bright spot right now in the defense that I see. At least, you know, he stepped up as a leader. He understood that, right, the defense is struggling. So if he has to – I wouldn't say he has to do more, but – Right when it comes down to it, he's he is leading the team in tackles, which you never want your safety to lead your defense in tackles. Yeah, it's but, never a good sign. Right, it's never a good sign, but at least he's getting those tackles. Because last year, yeah. I, I would say that he wasn't getting those tackles, and really nobody was. Yeah, yeah, but let's let's see I, I, the second half of the season. Let's see. I want I want I'm challenging the defense right now. I want one of you guys to step up and just take this award. Right. And they really need to because if someone that's the competition just gets that much better, right? And even even though they say they don't like to listen to outside noise, and I know I was one of those guys. I was like, you know, it doesn't really matter to me as long as the team is winning. But you know, selfishly, a, a little, you know, you got to have some pride in it, right? If somebody is a defensive MVP and right, and you just you want to take that, you want to take that spot and if it wasn't me then I was like okay you know offensively if it wasn't me who was having a big day in practice or people weren't writing about I wanted them to write about me so I was going to play better I was going to make more plays and it's outside noise like the players say but when it comes down to it everyone wants to be the guy to be talked about right that's realistically that's how it is I'm just being I'm throwing it out there as humble as you could be you could be the most humble man in the world but it's always nice to have an article written about you about how great you've been playing right exactly no it is it is so we'll see i have big expectations at least for the defense in the second half they have they have some great offenses they're going up against i just hope that they at least make it competitive and not make it a shootout like we've seen where the offense if the offense isn't dropping you know 40 points then they're not going to win so yeah yeah we'll see i'm excited to see but uh angie is it time for some damn questions i think it's time for some damn questions Damn questions are brought to you by Body of Health Chiropractic and Wellness Center. Dr. Jason Young has been the chiropractor for Oregon State Athletics since 2011. Go to yourbodyofhealth.com for more information. Okay, Marcus, let's start the questions. I'm going to start today, and we have a question here from Beave Recruiting. They want to know, as a former recruit, how much do you think that the quality of graphic art plays into making a program marketable to student-athletes? You know, like social media, all the the, Mm -hmm. the the, the cool graphics that they make. The cool graphics, yep. What do you you think? Is it it just a nice little extra, or is it super important? Uh, I would say at this point right now, like when I was getting recruited and all that, it wasn't a big deal because I I didn't think Twitter and social media was as big as it is now. But I think coaches are, start, are and programs are finally starting to figure it out. It's kind of like the same thing with the, uh, like I was saying about like an article written about you. If someone has like a poster, right, and they post a uh, coach posted on Twitter and it's like, you know, Marcus, we want you to come to Corvallis. And it has, you know, like Steven Jackson pointing at a camera or something like that, right? When they do stuff like that, it makes, you know, it makes a player think, okay, Right, Steven Jackson wants me to go there, so I'm going to go there. Or something like that, right? And it just pushes you in that direction even more. A good example is Pete Carroll at USC, right? Maybe it wasn't social media, but what did he do? He was bringing celebrities to practice and stuff like that. And so when kids would come on recruiting trips, they're like, whoa, like that's Snoop Dogg right there at practice. And if I get to see Snoop Dogg all the time, then I want to be around, right? And it's kind of the same thing. I think it's really – it's right. and I always – I know, Angie, you hear me rant about this. I think it's – kind of stupid but um you know it's important now it is because yeah. that's what the kids really want so that's a good question though because like i said it, it wasn't like that when i was uh when i was in or getting recruited but 
hey, times have changed. I'm getting old. I'm no more. I'm you're, you're, <laughs> you're, you're joining the ranks of us old people. Oh, no. oh, this, is, this is along the same lines, though. SC Beaver um, wants to know, how does one recruit to Oregon State? What are the most important selling points, and what sets OSU apart from the other Pac-12 schools and, national, and nationally? Whoa. That's a good one. That is a good one. Uh, I would just say... I don't know. Like when it's, I feel like it's just a culture and I know that's, that's a cheesy thing to say and it's super cliche and you guys probably didn't want me to answer it like that, but just looking at it, it's, it's because if you go to a big, say you go to a big name program and I always bring this example up because I was getting, you know, Oregon was interested in me when they were, I would say at the top of the PAC 12. And like when I took a visit there, I had a feeling and I knew it was the feeling that I was kind of just showing up. I was going to be another, you know, recruited guy on the team. And then once I, you know, once we win maybe a Pac-12 championship or whatever they did, then I'm just going to be funneled out, right, and cycled out. And then the next big recruit's going to come in or the next, you know, pretty good football player is going to come in. But it didn't feel like they wanted me there because they actually liked who I was as a person. They wanted me wanted to help me develop. It was just, hey, listen, here's a bunch of rings. You want to win one, come here. And it's kind of it's kind of the same thing with Alabama, right? It's just, hey, we have we win games, so do you want to come here, right? And a lot of kids do, right? That that sells a lot of kids, and it that's kind of how I was thinking out of high school, but then right talking with my mom, talking with my brother, it's kind of like you have to realize, okay, football is one part of it. Football is a stepping stone to get you to where you want to get to, right? And so I think that's just the thing that with Oregon State that they do so well is develop you into a good person because players who have been in the NFL and players who didn't make it to the NFL, they're all still around. They all still come back. You know, a good example is Evanson Bernard. Evanson would always come talk to me and give me advice. So once I, when I was done playing football and I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life, he pushed me in the right direction, helped me kind of land a broadcasting spot, you know, right with ESPN radio here in Portland and, you know, with 10 the fan. And then it, you know, I re I got to reach out to you, Angie. And that's kind of how I started with Beaver Blitz. And I think, you know, aside from scoring touchdowns and, and football, right, Oregon State does a great job of, of developing kids and getting them into their careers where, you know, a lot of kids that go to Oregon and go to these bigger schools don't really understand because they're so highly recruited, right? And they have people who, right, let them step on their backs, I would say, and really tell them that, hey, you're going to the NFL. Like, each one of you kids on this team is going to the NFL. So if we win games, you're going to the NFL. But that's not the, you know, that's not the reality of it. So maybe that was off, I would say, off topic for the um, question. But it's just realistic, right? It's just Oregon State makes you, right, and the team makes you feel like you're more than just a football player and you're not just kind of a body in a helmet, right? That's, I mean, realistically, that's just how it is. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think you're right. And I think that, that culture and selling, the, the players are the best, the, the best sales guys that they have, you know, better than the coaches and everybody are the, are the, team, the, the current team. And those guys are selling, you know, it, it's a college town, it's a um, brotherhood, and to see that the guys come back, you know, to see Brandon Cooks and Stephen Jackson and, and these guys that all come back. I mean, guys are coming back year after year after year, um, and it just shows the, um, the love they have for, for Oregon State. Right. And it's just the fact that you get and that's, a, you know, that's a big thing is when you see someone like Steven Jackson coming back. And that's why when Coach Smith brought all those OSU players back, that is huge because you can network with the players. The players can give you advice. Jason Baptiste. Right. He is like he is another mentor of mine, played at Oregon State in the early 2000s. 
just having these kind of people back and having right a vision that you can see that okay guys still make it to the NFL here but look at what they're doing now right some guys like Evanson it, for example okay yeah he got a he got a short stint in the NFL but look at him now he gets to work for the school and so he gets to give kids like me advice it's just kind of mm-hmm. like like you said Angie just the community of Oregon State yeah maybe it's not as flashy as U of O or you know USC UCLA whatever else you sell all those other programs on but you really look at it down to like the players and how, kind of how I would say how healthy mentally they are. I just feel like Oregon State players are are so prepared once they're done playing football that it's just it's hard not you know it's hard not to buy into that as a player. Yeah. But uh, Angie, I have yes. one for you. I would say actually both of us, but I think you would know more. Do you foresee any incoming transfers? I know this whole Scott Frost thing. Is hilarious. I know on one of the shows during the week I do with Andrew Nemec, we kind of dug into Scott Frost because he's kind of a hypocrite about it. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I I like the idea of all these guys. I'm sorry to interrupt, but didn't Scott Frost just get a transfer from UCF? Yeah, that's why. That's exactly (laughs) what we're saying. He's a hypocrite. Yeah, yeah, it's the craziest thing ever. He's just upset, right? He's just upset because these kids want to leave, but. I don't know. I don't know if we get any more players, but it's cool to see that that these other coaches coming in have these kind of connections and kids want to transfer right to Oregon State. Maybe we're struggling right now, but that's a big pipeline to have, right? And I don't want to say pipeline, maybe that's the wrong word because you can't just go in and pick kids out of colleges, but right, if it's a good feeling when if kids aren't happy, they feel like they're going to be happy in Corvallis because with these exactly, la- with exactly. these last couple seasons that hasn't been a feeling right and we have it and the transfers we have had they haven't really done anything for us and they haven't really been yeah. that though that big name I should say but I think all these kids coming in could easily start next season like easily yeah uh, yeah easily yeah and so, that's uh you know just just that talent that maybe these guys you're not getting them right out of high school but maybe when they mature a bit and they to see they see what you know, what it's really like out there and that these uh, sales pitches that coaches are selling them maybe aren't 100% accurate. Right. That they, they want to go someplace that, you know, they, they, they trust Coach Riley. They trust Coach Bray. They trust whoever. Um, that, that That's a big endorsement for Oregon State. And as far as seeing new I, – I do foresee some more transfers. Um, you know, as of the 15th, so a couple days ago um, – the new transfer transfer rules went into play. So um, now really a, a student athlete, all they have to do is tell their coach that they want to transfer, um, that they plan to transfer. And then it goes all into a database, you know, and I, that uh, Oregon State then can access and see who's looking to transfer. And, and that kind of eases some things up. Now it, it goes the other way too. Kids that maybe want to transfer away from Oregon State, that would ease up their, you know, make it easier for them to, to leave as well. But um I do think we see some more transfers before this is all said and done. Right. But uh, I think just like we, like I said earlier, just the fact that we have kids who feel like Oregon State is a good fit for them after coming from, you know, a big-name program like Nebraska, that has to be, that has to be a good feeling for Oregon State fans. Like yes, big time. exactly. Because, Angie, you would know better than I would because, you, you know, you've covered Oregon State a lot longer than me. But, you know, have we really ever had this kind of – three to four to maybe five even transfers from a big name school just come in like like all no i've never seen yeah i've never seen that 
that big? Which this is a good question. This actually it leads into a good question on Beaver Blitz. Uh, what in the blue hell OSU? He he's talking a little bit about you know players wanting to leave. Scott Frost, Nick Rolovich being pissed off at, at Coach Coach Smith. But here's his question. He said it begs the question. Have we all been fooled that Jonathan Smith is less of a nice guy, G golly, G Mike Riley clone, than we thought we were getting? And is he more of a cutthroat, give zero Fs, I'm here to build and win, like Dennis Erickson? I think it's a little bit of both. <laughs> I kind of yeah, like no, it. I, I do too. And I, this is the thing, you know, I, I think when, when Coach Smith was hired, I think a lot of the fan sentiment was, oh my gosh, we have this like super nice guy who's golly G. Um, but I heard from so many guys that played with Jonathan and have coached with Jonathan that this is the most competitive guy they've ever met. And, you know, he wants to win at everything, whether it's, you know, ping pong or yeah. um, football game or Madden. I mean, the guy wants to win. Right. So um, I, I think it is. I think it's a little bit of both. And he's looking for any way he can, um, whether that's transfers or recruiting, you know, he, he's scratching and clawing just like his team is. Right, because at the end of the day, is he really going to care about what another coach thinks of him? No, right? No, he's not no. going to care. Like if Scott Frost and this, I can't even say Hawaii's coach's name, is coming at him, right, saying, all right, well, look at what Oregon State and Coach Smith are doing, blah, 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 blah. If he's like, hey, this isn't against the rules, I'm not doing anything wrong. I just want to exactly. So, like, you can get over it because I'm I'm trying to build a dynasty. I don't care what you're yeah. doing, right? And I kind of like that because I see the competitiveness and, like, when he talks and when I've talked to some of the players, they're like, listen, man, like, this guy is competitive. And my one of my old friends when I, you know, in college, uh, he transferred to University of Washington. He got to play under Coach Smith as a wide receiver. He was saying, he was like, listen, man, like, Oregon State got a really good coach because the connection that Coach Smith had was with the, with the players is on a whole different level. But... He is, he is competitive, and he wants to win. A lot of people see him as a nice guy because he is, but when it comes down to winning, he's going to do anything and everything he can to win. And so that you know that was a, that was kind of refreshing to hear, and it was nice to hear because I'm like, okay, we have a nice guy. Maybe we have a little bit of that Coach Riley, but at the same time, the mentality is a Dennis Erickson one, right? So, but, and you bring up a good point because this is something that we, we talked about um, a couple weeks ago on Beaver Blitz is – the connection he has with his players. And I think that goes far beyond like what, what coach Riley ever had. I think a lot of people loved coach Riley. A lot of, I mean, the players loved him, but there is a connection between coach Smith and his team that I don't think general fans maybe necessarily know. And, and one thing that we, we wrote about a couple of weeks ago in our Beaver Blitz confidential, that I mean, I think the the fans should know is, you know, he does, he, he like every day he'll take a different player home from practice. Drives them home. And it's like one-on-one, they could talk life, they talk football, they talk whatever, but it's just that extra connection that he's making with these players. And, and they are, they, they're getting to know him. They're, um, they trust him and it, and it's huge for the program. That is huge for the program because have we, have we really ever had that? Like with a head coach, like, come on, a head coach has a million other things to do. A million. Yeah, exactly. And, and Smith has a family. He has three young kids. We've heard, you know, I mean, I know, the position coaches will do things. You know, we always heard stories, you know, coach Brennan and his family would have the wide receivers and the quarterbacks over for pumpkin carving or birthday mm-hmm. parties when they, when they had birthdays or barbecues, but the head coach, you know, that's, that's taking it to a whole new level when the head coach wants to spend one-on-one time with you and, and get to know you as a person and, and talk about life and talk about, you know, these, these guys are, are away from home for the first time. And, and, you know, they have the same problems everybody has. Right. Mm-hmm. So, 
um, or things to celebrate or things that the coach can know about. And it's that much bigger because he's done it in Corvallis too. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Well, Angie, do you have any, uh, you have any more questions before we go to some predictions? Uh, I have one more. Um, this is hopeful. Beave on Beaver Blitz says with two workhorses and Pearson Jefferson in the backfield, how do you see Jonathan Smith utilizing the backs? Um, will there be an alternating drive style or a two back set? Um, first and second down back, you know, how do you see that going? And then how many touches do you think the backs get this weekend against Cal? I'll start with the touches for the backs. I think I would say Jamar is probably going to get around 15, I mean, eight, I would say maybe 15 to 20. I think AP will get around 10 to 15. But a good way to look at it is you look at a place like Georgia, where they had Nick Chubb, they had Sonny Michelle, they have all this talent, right? And I think at one point they even had Todd Gurley with them as well. And so you have these kind of guys, you have so much talent in your in right in one position group. How are you going to spread it out? And you just uh-huh. have to think about it as okay, maybe Jamar is your right, he's going to get 100 yards, but how is he going to get those yards? He's going to get him from being physical, right? He's in between the tackles. He's running into linebackers, smashing them in, right? And from there it softens up a defense. It really does. No matter how hard somebody thinks their defense is, if you run the ball enough and hit say a defensive lineman a linebacker a safety enough that brings in someone like AP right AP is a is the fastest dude on the team I would easily yeah. I could easily yeah. say that and so I think that's kind of how you have to look at it is you soften them up and then from there you have your home run hitter with AP but I think the differences in this is the fact that both of them are home run hitters like I don't know the last time Oregon State has had two legit running backs that can arguably be the best in the conference that are both Hard, uh, home run hitters. I don't know if we've ever no. had that. I really don't. Angie, you would know better I, than me. <laughs> no, I mean, that's really, seriously, the, the two. And that's, you know, I, I was thinking when we were talking about MVPs and we were talking both about Jamar Jefferson and, um, you know, AP is another, I, I don't want to jump back to that, but his speed alone has been eye-popping. So um, I, I do, I, I think they both need touches. And, just however you can get that. I, I wouldn't mind seeing two back set, to be honest, with, with both of them back there. Mm-hmm. And you could do that because, especially if you have both of them on the field at the same time, I guarantee you, no matter who you're playing, the defensive coordinator will be stressing and he will be sweating up in the box because yes. it's too hard because you can't, you can't hone in on one guy. And if you're going to tackle one guy, you have to tackle him with three or four people. Because yeah. you can't get AP down with one guy. AP runs too hard. And Jamar just has the size, and he's just a super talented back. So it's too hard to get him down with one guy. So you have to – I think maybe that's what Oregon State is going to do. Maybe not. But regardless, if you can get both of, them in, both of them on the field at the same time against a team like Cal, where their defense is, a, is better than their offense, but even then they're not great – I think Oregon State has a great chance of winning this game. And I think that's what will lead us into the predictions. Angie, do you have a prediction? I do. I am going, and I haven't picked a Beaver win in a long time, but I'm picking Oregon State to win 34-31, to 31, a close one. 34-31. Angie, I'm going to have to say Oregon State. Actually, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I'll say 31-27. to 27. Who wins? The Beavs win. Come on, Angie. They can do it this week. This is the they week can that do it. this is the week where they get their Pac-12 win, and then from there they can build off this. Because when you just look at it across the board, and I broke down the film from both of the games, right? Oregon State first half, I would say, they're just as good as anybody. 
They really yeah. are. And, yeah. may, uh, you know, granted, there was that Nevada game where they started off really slow and it did not look good. But from there, you see a team like Washington State who can easily win the North in the Pac-12, and they should be undefeated. They should have beat USC, but USC came back with like a minute left and beat them. And then I think that I think Washington State beats Oregon this week. So from there, I don't know, Angie. I think the Beavs played Washington State extremely well up until the fourth quarter. Cal isn't very good. At this point, their defense is great. Offense isn't spectacular. I think this is the week that the defense will step up, especially the linebackers. Maybe not defensive line, but the linebackers, I think, will step up. And this is a team where the defense can get some turnovers, and then from there they can flip it and make some, you know, score some big points on them. So I think they win 31-27. It will be close, but I think they get the win. Sounds good. All right. Stay tuned for next week. Yes, thank you, we'll everybody, we again. We're right or wrong. Yes, hopefully I'll, hopefully we're right. But uh, that, maybe that's why I keep choosing other teams to beat Oregon State because every time I say a player like has something that he's not very good at, they turn around and be super good at it. So if I say – That's right. I thought I was saying – Reverse Oregon psychology State, right, right here. And that's what I was saying. If Oregon State – you know, if I say they lose, then hopefully they'll win. But we'll see. They'll be fine. But, uh, again, thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of The Damn Podcast with your hosts, Marcus Greaves and Angie Machado. We'll be back next week, and we will be back on Monday. I know I've been kind of flipping the days, but, you know, my schedule finally lines up that we can do it on Mondays. So, again, thank you, everybody, for listening. And I'm not, I'm not traveling the globe, so yes. I'll be back. And we will be back. Angie will be here, too. <laughs> so, again, thank you so much, you guys, and we'll be back next week.